What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And then beautifying ourselves, okay? And that doesn't mean you have to go get plastic surgery or have to wear, you know, dresses like that. It's what makes you feel beautiful. And we it's subjective, right? It's what makes me feel beautiful. If I want to have long hair or short hair or put lipstick on, I'm doing it for me, not for anybody else. So that's very much a part of femininity too. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. My name is Hannah, and I am a mature feminine woman. And my name is Emily, and I am also a mature feminine woman. Welcome to our podcast. I decided I wasn't going to say it this time, oh. so that it's not all jumbled. Oh, okay. <laughs> every time I listen twist. back, I'm like, twist. could have been better. Speaking of twist, okay. The Bachelor. So, so the, it was I'm going to be the, honest. It was just the men tell all. Didn't watch much of it. I saw... I saw the, the the James, the kid James' father. Michael. <laughs> I saw Michael. Like, who the fuck is James? Leave. <laughs> yes. Because sweet, sweet James was like, why don't you want to see me? Well, like, I was, I've been thinking it was interesting this whole time. Like, they never really, like, allow you to have your phone, uh, like, when you're, like, in the mansion. But I guess, like, they allowed him, to, like, to have it so he could, like, talk to his kids. I was going to say, I mean, I kind of feel like they have to make an exception yeah. for that because, like, then he probably, the kid probably like would have been like, like, okay, bye. I feel like he's been very outspoken about how much his child and his, like, him being a parent means to him. Because well, like, he does. Other parents I have mean, been on the show. He lost his wife and James lost that's his mom. Right. So, right. like, that's probably why they, yeah. like, made the exception. Because, I mean, if it was just, like, somebody who, like, that or had he, like, split custody. That or he mentioned it. Like, yeah. like, like hey, like, hey, I want to come, but this is my stipulation. Like, yeah. I have to be able to talk to him whenever I want. Yeah. Especially with COVID and everything, Which too. Which is fair. I mean, yeah. he's probably young and probably doesn't understand where dad is. And dad's been gone yeah. for Well, that was months. the thing. He made that one comment. I know. He was Why like, don't you want to see me? Yeah. It's like, Dad probably I would have been like, I'm coming I'd be like, oh, I would just be a puddle of fucking tears. I would have done exactly what he did and left. Like, well, immediately. I would have <sighs> been like, I need to be on the first red eye home now. Yeah. Like, that just breaks my heart watching Because you it. can't make that known over the phone. No. Like, you can't. And, like, there's no way to, like, I mean, the child is so young. There's no way to, like, explain, explain. that. Yeah. That's not the reason. It's just like. But Katie was, I mean, Katie was understanding, but she was like, I saw you going, like, I saw us going to the end. So that makes me like wonder. But I think it was reassuring for her. And I think for both of them, her to be like, you know, this isn't that I don't like you or like, I just don't see this relationship working out. Like it's literally like my son is my first priority, which he should be. Mm-hmm. And he's following through with that. That's his word. He's following through with it. I think that's a great parent. Yeah. And I think that it's really respectable and everything. And if it's meant to be, it will be. Exactly. Although. Although we heard some tea, right? This is not from, like, any sources. Although, could get my friend to text Thomas, because she still has his number. 
and ask and verify. But I think Michael is going to be the next Bachelor. He would be a heart like he would be I don't a think heart any, throb. Has any right parent one? been the Bachelor? I don't think so. I've never. Hmm. Wait. So how how is he going to do that if he can't be away for a season from his kid? How is he going to be away again? Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. James just going to be there? <gasps> what if? That's a very toxic place for a child to be in the bachelor. But like, what if they let him be there? That would be really cute. But I think that would also really be hard on James too. I as if I was a parent, I would not. I just meant for like to be able to be with him at night. Yeah, and, and yeah, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're still not going to see him. Yeah, hmm. because it's like I just wouldn't want to introduce. Just would seem kind of sketchy if he like couldn't finish it out with Katie and then like went yeah. to be the bachelor Fair and enough. then left his kid again. Fair enough, because it's like you don't want to. And my, my personal thinking, I would now introduce my kid to like 30 different people I'm potentially dating and then get them confused when they don't understand like the dynamics of a relationship. And it's like, oh, my yeah. thinks like, you're my new mommy. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And that's just a lot for some of those women too. Right. My thought would be like, he wouldn't be there to meet them. He would just be there to be like, you know how, you didn't somebody bring, running. no, no, no. Didn't somebody bring their dog? No, I have no idea. I'm pretty sure Claire, no I'm idea. pretty sure Claire had her dog. Did she? Yes. I'm like pretty sure that it's she also had her Claire dogs. Farley. I know what I'm saying. Like, they didn't meet the dogs, but no. the dogs were A dog there. is different than a child. I don't know. Some people take it really, really seriously. Okay. Dog, oh, I'm my God. Saying, I don't know. I mean, your dog's practically living your house. I will be a little, will be a little apprehensive mm-hmm. if he... You see a child running around the bachelor mansion? Well, just if he decides that he can spend that much more time away from him. Mm-hmm. That would be my only, like, hold up. With oh, him. yeah, like, absolutely. Mm, okay, absolutely. so what was the logic? Absolutely. I'm still voting for Mike Johnson. Still, I mean, still want Mike Johnson. Not to invalidate what he did because I would have done the exact same thing and he acted oh, yeah. on emotion um, of his kid literally being like, why don't you love me anymore, basically. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Connor B, the cat guy, I just <laughs> okay. cannot, first off, I cannot get past the fact that he literally looks like he probably, like, Loves cats more than anything else in this entire world. Like, and he was licking his paw in that one scene oh, on Mintel. I didn't see that. Um, I, as that's at least what it looked I like. Mean, um, I, I stand by this. I do not think he is the most attractive. <laughs> we are. We do not have the same taste in men. Obviously, I think he literally looks like a little cat, I, cat boy. He's a little cat boy. I can't. I'm so sorry. I stand by no, it. I'm, I'm not. No. I'm, I will die on this hill. No. I think he's. Greg I still think he's cute. Is one of the most attractive. Okay, Hunter literally looks like a guy that I almost dated in grad school, and it disturbs me on so many levels, like down to the brow bone and everything. Hunter just like has the same facial expression on his face. It's, it's that like the guy I dated. It's in, like the, the guy like, I was in grad school. I'm a football jock. What are you doing? Yeah, here? that was the, yeah. yeah. The, it was a, one of the mats that I dated. <laughs> Everybody's got to date a mat. I it's dated four. Inevitable. Um, so there, you know. Yeah, it's a grand time yeah. for me. Yeah, but, but no, the whole. Make out that was so fucking scripted. Had to have been. She was you know, light up. Well, you don't just stand up and in, no, interrupt. For so did Tasha and Caitlin re- know? I feel like they didn't know though. No, because their it was their producers. reaction was like, "What the heck?" That are their amazing actors, but it was definitely producers. Yeah. And then like, she, she got in the literally mic'd up. Yeah, and then she came up on the fucking stage and they continued like, to make out. I'm I mean, granted, sorry. he looks like he's still an amazing kisser. I don't oh, care what the fuck. Gosh, I cannot. <laughs> he is obsessed with cats, and I hate cats. We oh, trust me, we agree on cats. You I do not could like cats. Never. No. Be with Connor. Although, you would actually die. 
There's a guy I'm talking to right now who has a fucking cat. That's okay. I'm fucked over with that. That's okay. Cats, you know, cats live nine lives. They can live nine lives elsewhere. I can't ask a man to get rid of a cat. You don't ask. They will. (laughs) You're the cat. I just thought of one. I'm not. But if it's a dog, it's it's no. You're you're not it. All I have to say, though, is that if, if you were allergic to dogs, then you would never be the chosen one because everyone loves dogs more than cats. Oh, I would. Except like, for cat people, I would which cry. are. I would cry. I would cry. I mean, granted, I, I, have, I can be around hypoallergenic dogs. Your dogs aren't hypoallergenic, though, and I could still be around them. Um, Except for you were like, we need to go get some allergy medicine. <laughs> yeah, that's my dumbass forgot to take my own allergy medication today. <laughs> that's all me. That's all my bad. That's no, my I'm just playing. I... I don't personally like cats, but cats love me. And if Blaine, like if Blaine like wanted a cat, if Blaine wanted a cat, I would tell him no. Please <laughs> tell him no. I honest. can never come over. Here. Well, it was before we got Stella. He was like, "We should get a cat," and I was like, "You're joking, right? Like, do you? Do I can't you know see you with a cat. Me? I hate them. They're terrifying. I would never sleep. They're disgusting. No, they're terrifying. Why are they terrifying? You think they're going to kill you? Yes. They're, they're the fucking devil in, a, in an animal. And while you're sleeping... Okay, so story time. My, I've never known you had this we are literally cats. We're literally on the other side of the planet now. My, one of my very good friends from college had a cat named Pumpkin. And if you're listening to this and you know exactly what I'm about to say. Anytime I spent the night at said friend's house, mm-hmm. Pumpkin, the orange bitch of a cat who like was the devil would sit on the edge of the couch and watch me and then like crawl up to me and then like knead on me. (laughs) No, I don't want to. And like she scratched and bit me and I was like, I don't like you. When I was three, my grandma's cat scratched me across the face. So I think I was traumatized from a young age. Therefore I was traumatized from a young age about big dogs because when I was like, like a toddler or whatever, my, Mom's best friend had a greyhound and it came over and like licked me and like was so excited to see me that it knocked me over. And you were just, that and was I it. was traumatized by big dogs jumping on me ever since then. So I am very much a person like I don't give cats attention and cats love that and then they love me and then they come to me because I don't mess with them. I just think they're gross. They are gross because they're litter boxes. Ew. No. Yeah. And then, like, they lick themselves. But apparently their tongue is, like, cleaner than, like, our toilet seats or something. I'm I'm not sure that that's bullshit. Toilets are disgusting. That their their tongue is cleaner? That's what I, that's what I'm pretty sure that the, how the story goes. I thought it was a kitchen sink that it was cleaner. I I thought it was a toilet bowl. We're going to have to Google this later. Regardless. Anyway, circling back to Connor. This is an anti-cat podcast. No, it's not because I have several really good friends (laughs) who um, love cats and love our podcast. So. It's not anti-cat. Okay, okay. I just don't love cats. Okay. But I will love your cat if your cat loves me. It's I won't confusing. because they're trying to kill me, literally, not just like metaphorically like Hannah. Like I will have an asthmatic attack. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 At least your boyfriend doesn't want a squirrel. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, it could, it could be worse, Emily. It could literally be worse. <laughs> he wants a pet squirrel. <laughs> Before, before, before Stella Trooper tried to bring the bugs in for pet, his, as his pet, and then he would accidentally kill them because he was playing with them too hard. Was he bringing like, in fucking dead cockroaches and shit? No, he didn't really bring them in, oh. but he tried to. He would like try to play with them and would kill them. And then he was like, why is my friend not moving? <laughs> oh, Anywho. It's like the mice of men. Oh, like, <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, back to Connor in the makeout <laughs> session. 
apparently she's a musician who had music who has music coming out. Yeah. So, so. it's probably just all a publicity stunt. Probably she's probably she, a friend of her producer or something. Yeah, and she just needed but I think there was to like, like help I, her music. I Googled it after the situation and everything. I think there was a casting call for that exact like because thing. they made such a big deal about him not being a good kisser? I guess. Okay. That's so odd. That's a lot. It's really extra to go through. But I, mean, makes, I guess like ABC was like, we need fucking content. It just takes me back to Matt James kissing people. With his eyes fucking open? like <laughs> Just the way he kissed. The whole lip movement. I was open. like, are you sucking their face? That's what it looks like. like. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah. It's it like, was, what would you do if you're making out with somebody and you like I accidentally stop. opened your eyes and you saw them like dead ass staring? I would stop. And I would say. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, it. It's like terrifying. What are you doing? Don't you know like, here in America we kiss with our I would literally eyes push the person back. Like, fuck. Okay. Like Lord Farquaad. Like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm always just going to compare bad kissers now to Matt James because he was publicly Valid. on. I wanted to be on that. I wanted to make you out with did, that. And you know, you dodged a bullet. That beard Truly. is unruly. It's unruly. Yeah. No, it's okay. Not it for is me. fine. Was there any other updates on that? I thought they were supposed to do hometowns, but I guess, I guess they it's next week. decided not to. So we didn't miss anything there, which is great. We won't be able to so watch the finale together. So is it just three together. hometowns now because Michael left? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're not going to be able to watch the finale together. in Vegas. It's okay. Vegas is way better than the Bachelorette finale. Fair. I probably won't even watch it live. I feel like I need to, though, so I like it. No I'm spoilers. definitely not watching it live. I'm not rushing back to my fucking hotel in Vegas to watch The Bachelor. Okay, you're going to be in Vegas. I'm going to be here. Okay, Val. So there's literally nothing else for me to do. So. I'm going to be gambling some money. You better I'm win literally, some money. I've been manifesting it. I'm literally going to take my pyrite, my fool's gold and everything, because that's what's really good for money. I'm going to take that and my fucking citrine and just like walk around the casino with it in my hands. Like, tell me which machines to go to. Guide whenever me you, to the whenever you feel machines. its vibrations, you're like, oh, this is the one. <laughs> like, this is the one. I feel this it calling it. to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Be like, you know, when we're like, they're trying to play like roulette or whatever, be like, and they try to throw the ball, be like, can you throw my pyrite instead? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're gonna be one of those, and they're gonna be like, "Who is this bitch?" Like, get this bitch the fuck out of here, actually, like, please. Okay. What well, if I came back like a millionaire? I just hope you would buy us some new mics. <laughs> That's all you want is a new mic. No, I would like some millions. <laughs> well, first the thing I'm doing is buying a place in LA and okay. I'm paying okay. off my student loans. Okay. Yeah, take care of you first, mm-hmm. and then whatever you want to give me for all of my like hard, I'll give you hard dollars. work and friendship for. I am, my friendship for 10 plus years is worth $50 to you. If you win like 10 million, if you win like $10 million and I don't get like 100,000, we're not friends anymore. Because what the fuck oh, are you going to do? Yeah, 10 million. Yeah, you what the heck are you going to do with $10 million? 10 million, you can get 350. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad I'm worth more than $50. Thank you. If it's just one million, I can understand, but still, fifty really. Oh, if it's ten million, I'll give you like yeah, I can give you like half a mil. Yeah. Or a mil. Yeah. Well, I got people for my fucking parents too. Million, I got people for million, my parents. I got people for my grandparents. Who's been here through thick and thin? My parents. <laughs> Who has seen you cry? My parents. Mother Teresa, I'm coming for you. Teresa listens to this podcast, and if I don't say that, she will kick me out of her. That's abode. okay. You're gonna get. You'll give them a million, and then Teresa will get me some. You take that up with Teresa. <laughs> I have to say, I'm giving her the most money, or else she will not move me to Los Angeles. 
<laughs> I'll move you. We'll, we'll drive cross country. Okay. We'll drive cross country. Okay. Okay. I can see my dad be listening. That'd be like, sure, go right ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I can't take that many days off of work. It, takes, it costs three thousand dollars just to U-Haul all takes, my shit. It takes like a week to get there. Yeah. Well, no. Even if you just U-Haul it and we fly out there, still three thousand dollars. Like we just give all my shit to U-Haul, and it's not so a lot are of you, shit. So this is actually a question: Are you gonna U-Haul and then wait a little bit and then go? We're I because think so yeah I think because it'll just be chill you'll just be mm-hmm. chilling mm-hmm. I think that's what we're doing my I'm, I have to ship my car I'm not driving my car across the country no I would not recommend drive my my cousins and or my aunt you, we're not and touching done it. it we're not doing that no I'm no. gonna put it on a little on this little truck thingies that have all the uh, cars in the back of it pitch it on that. It's like a thousand bucks. Meanwhile, for that me, I'm behind those things. I'm like, please don't fall off. Please I know, don't same, fall off. Same. Honestly, I've seen way too many fucking Final Destination films. <laughs> Truly. Same. God. But yeah, yeah. it's like $3,000 just to move like some living room furniture across the country. Well, the rest I mean, of my it's stuff, a lot of money buy. to move it like downtown. Yeah. Because the so. rest of the stuff I have to buy because like I've sold gonna, a lot of I mean, furniture. yeah, you're going to have to buy a lot of stuff. And you're just going to want to be able to start fresh anyways. Yeah. I mean, like, because my old stuff is from undergrad and it's like. And it's like. Falling apart. Falling apart. <laughs> and, and it's gross. also like all bright colors because remember when like, I wanted my apartment to be Moroccan themed? It literally was Moroccan themed. Like World Market was my sanctuary. Like yeah. that's where all my stuff was from. Now some of my stuff I still love. But like the teal bar stools, a lot of the teal bar stools, we'll paint them probably like black now. Yeah. 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 Something more neutral because that's what I want now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as you grow, you change and yeah. your style changes. But well, that was a tangent. I don't even know what took us to Barstools, but... Barstool Sports, anyways. <laughs> say, wasn't it called Here Her Daddy, are. something about Barstools? Hmm? There's two separate things. Never mind. Anyways, Captivation. What's your Captivation this week? Oh, I bought these new sweatpants from Aerie because Danielle Carolyn had them on her body. and On her body? Okay. Um, yep, on her body. <laughs> on they her weren't Instagram just story? like... Yeah, they weren't just like chilling in a bag. They were on her body. <laughs> She was wearing them. Um, they're from uh, Aerie, of course. Um, Where else? They're the Fleece Boyfriend Joggers, and I got the color brown, and they are very comfy. And I think they'll look cute with, like, that white cropped shirt I got from Target Ooh. and, like, some white tennis shoes to, like, Ooh, yeah. bebop around town. Yeah. I love that I just said bebop. I, I heard it. I acknowledge um, it. I give presents yeah, to it. Yeah, so um, I'm just looking for comfy, cozy in the fall. Aerie always has like really good lounge wear. Um, they have some really cute stuff out right now and it's all like light blue and it just looks really cute and comfy and cozy and I'm so ready for fall and it was like 900 degrees outside today. The yeah. AC in my uh, office didn't work so I'm just like trying to manifest cool air and it's not happening. Vibes. So yeah. yeah. Vibes. What about your captivation? Uh, my captivation is my fake Bottega Veneta bag. <laughs> that was the metal you heard, guys. That's it. Mm-hmm. So the I like that she's like holding it, like you guys can see it. She's like, oh my this god, a YouTube video. So here it is. So like, here's, here's my the haul. bag. So here's the bag. You can see it from the front and the back. Here's the metal chain. When I open it, oh, let me tell you everything I have. What's in my handbag? Do you remember those videos? I you used to do you. them so much. <laughs> do you guys want to watch Emily do a what's in my Fuck purse? You stop it. <laughs> Ember on YouTube. Honestly, I can make a poppin' ass reel now, and it would pop off on TikTok. Can you please? Yeah. You should make one, like, making fun of it. To accompany this episode? Yes, yes, absolutely, I will do that. <gasps> making fun of it? Like, sarcasm? Or should I do a genuine one? 
I don't know. I think either one would pop off. Also, how's this ASMR for you guys? It's stressing me out. <laughs> There's some people who like the sounds of these. So, basically, Haley Bieber, I've seen this bitch wear this bag repeatedly. I've seen every Instagram influencer wear this bag repeatedly. And a lot of people have made fake dupes of it uh, that don't have, like, the... They don't look... They look like they're fake because they have, like, more of a plastic chain on it and everything. And essentially, it's the chain pouch bag. And I love it. The original bag is $3,600. I will never... And this time in my life, because by the time I can afford it, it'll be out of style. And it is a trendy bag, I think. It is a minimalist... So if I can go on a fa- fashion tangent really quickly. Please, okay. please. Because so, you're selling me on it. Okay. I feel like I need it. So one of my favorite fashion lines is Celine. And I loved it around like, you know, 2010, 2014 when Phoebe Philo was the creative director. So if you don't know this, fashion brands like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, they have creative directors. It's no longer the person like who is Gucci or who is Louis or anything like that running it. And all these different designers like Tom Ford used to be um, creative directors for the other brands before he had Tom Ford. And... You know, Carl Lagerfeld was the creative director of Chanel for a while until he passed, yada, yada, yada. Phoebe Philo was the creative director of Celine. One of my favorite bags. If you've seen that bag, it looks like it has a robot face on it. Phoebe Philo basically created that bag. And it's one of my favorite bags. It's very expensive. But her whole aesthetic to Celine was, it was this like effortless, minimalist, chic look. Like it was all staples, all simple, clean cuts that women in their 20s, but also women in their 40s and 50s could wear to work, out, whatever, and bags were just, like, clean cut. They kind of, like, accentuated that wardrobe, but they also didn't take away from anything else either. Mm-hmm. And then she left Celine, and this bitch whose name I don't remember, but I cannot stand him, he used to be the creative director of Yves Saint Laurent, came in and is now the creative director of Celine and completely changed it. If you knew YSL around the same time of 2014, YSL was very rocker, edgy, you know, they had Carla Delevingne as the face and everything like that. That dude, whose name I just genuinely do not know off the top of my head right now, was creative director of YSL then. He is now basically doing the same thing with Celine. And it's just complete switch. And it's just like... doesn't fit the vibe, I don't no, think. No, it doesn't fit the vibe that the previous creative director did. Yeah. The, and like they, what Celine is known for. Yeah. Like what made them like become so huge yeah. and everything. Even though they were huge prior to Phoebe Philo. Like, like yeah. Phoebe Philo just restarted the brand and... It's what made them so big and iconic and why a lot of people who are younger are now attached to that brand. And so Bottega Veneta was trying to revamp their line. And I believe his, I think his first name is David. I do not know his last name uh, just because I have not done that much research, guys. But he came in as the creative director of Bottega Veneta and was inspired by the pouch bag that Phoebe Philo designed while she was at Celine and was like, I want to make a bag similar to that for Bottega Veneta, but modernize a little bit so girls in their 20s maybe you'd want to wear it and kind of capitalize and make Bottega Veneta like bigger than what it is and make it more on mainstream and street style. And so that's what they, they have a one that doesn't have the chain uh, strap on it. It's just a regular leather strap and it's like more of a crossbody, but it's a little bit smaller. I really wanted the one with the train, but I also knew that like, there's no way I'm making a $3,000 investment on a bag. If I'm going to make that big of an investment on a bag, it's going to be Chanel, Dior, Gucci. Something yeah. that I know it's a classic staple that's going to, inherently gain money the longer I have it so if I sold it like 20 years from now I would only make more money off of it right right um I don't believe in making that big purchase on investment bags I want to like honestly like the reason I don't is because I have a Gucci wallet and I basically 
I only buy things that I can afford to put that much money back into that thing. Yeah. I don't want to have a $3,000 purse and I'll be able to put $200 in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So DHgate became my best friend. And this is the first thing I ever bought from them. And it is, it feels like real leather. Obviously, it could be fake. Uh, it has the metal chain. It has the authentication code. Like, Everything, like, you could not tell this was fake unless you worked at Bottega Veneta and were able to, like, literally get a microscope and everything with it. Like, it has a um, serial numbers. Like, it's probably the best dupe I've ever seen. And it's I, beautiful. I it's a say, beautiful bag. Yeah. I am so excited to have it. I will say, though, too, a lot of brands, Louis Vuitton, for example, supply the people who make dupes with a lot of materials. Mm-hmm. To make the dupe, so because they probably pay them, they're still something. getting money. Yeah, they That's probably the have to pay them something. Yeah, because it's like, well, we could either sell these people in China the materials to make the dupes and get money, or let them outsource and lose money. Right. What are you gonna do? Sell them the leftover exactly. scraps to make the dupes. Exactly. So that people still buy from them. Exactly. Like you're not losing money. They people think like, oh, like. And there's just so many people, especially in the fashion world, that are, like, anti-dupe. Like, if you can't afford it, just, like, don't get it. It's, like... Like Crocs. Did you hear they're suing Walmart and Hobby Lobby for, like, basically stealing the Croc design? So, with <laughs> that, it gets interesting because it's probably, like, the actual, like... They probably have copyrighted or trademarked the design of a Croc shoe uh, because any other designer brands that try to do that have made it different in some way. Like you would think like Birkenstock would because there's so many knockoff Birkenstocks. Well, but Gucci, Crocs is coming for Walmart and Hobby Lobby. <laughs> well, Gucci has made like dupes of Crocs right now, but they are very different. Like they you could, they have a similar kind of design that the, the open toe with, with the holes in it, mm-hmm. but they're completely different yeah. still. Yeah. Um, I can get into a whole watch, thing about this. Watch Crocs try to come for Gucci. There's no way because you can't say that it's no, the, the same. No, the ones at Walmart and Hobby Lobby like actually look like Crocs. Yeah. So that is, so. And Which probably, I get. There's probably I get something that. on there that's imitating it, but the thing with, the thing that's going to be hard for Crocs, though, is that you cannot, and this is the thing that sucks, you can't copyright in fashion. Mm-hmm. That's why That's why there's dupes, dupes of everything. Yeah. These like, are technically I legal. Have, I have, like, um, like, a pair of shorts from Amazon that I love so much that mm-hmm. are basically a dupe for a Lululemon, mm-hmm. and they were, yeah. like, 20 bucks. Yeah. And I honestly like them just as much as I would. Them putting, like, a Lululemon logo on it probably would be yeah, illegal. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. It, it's, but, but it's the same, like, fit and style. It's a little different, but, um, but Yeah. I was like, I saw that and I was like, whoa, Crocs is coming for you. Yeah. So um, I'm obsessed with this. And I, yeah, like, call me cheap. I don't give a fuck. Um, y'all paid $3,000 for a bag that I got $75 for. Um, and yeah, I, I love it. If you guys are interested, it literally looks like you got it. Like, the real, like, like, it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, honestly, and that was the thing. My dad was like, how would you know it's a fake? And I was like, only people who were like, serious like fashion snobs like I know everything about fashion they would have to examine it I mean my mom my dad has a fake Rolex the only way you would know and his best buddy has a Rolex as well and like is really like knowledgeable about Rolexes and everything he looked at it because he has a and his buddy has a real Rolex the only way you can tell the Rolex is fake is if you take it by the look at by the side where the glass is raised and everything like that on a real Rolex it's completely clear on this one, it has a foggy edge. That is the mm. only way you can tell it's a fake Rolex. My mom has a Chanel watch. She took it to a Chanel store to have them look at it to see if she could get it fixed because she thought it was a fake. She took it there, and like the people who worked at Chanel thought it was real because she was like, my friend got me this. 
And it's just, it's broken now. And they were like, this is a very generous gift. Because it was like a, technically like a $2,000 watch, according to them. Yeah. They're like, this is a very generous gift. Like, that's an amazing friend. She's like, yeah. But I, it's just not working anymore. And they were like, they would have to ship it off to Paris to get fixed. And she was just too afraid to get it fixed. Yeah. she was like, I don't know if they're going to notice it. Like, that's the thing. With so many counterfeits, they're just getting better now. Yeah. And I, yeah, I could go on a whole tangent about the copyright laws in fashion. That's it's so crazy. interesting to me. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's my tangent for the day. <laughs> Love it. And Love a lot it. of tangents. It's okay. It's okay. It's always fun. Yeah. So before we get into today's episode, which we are so excited to, this is probably probably one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. It was really cool. This is one of the favorite guests we've ever had on. I mean, we've had some iconic people on, like Case Kenny. Uh, okay, sis. Yeah. Like, we've loved having them on, but we have loved having Nora on, and we're so excited for you guys to get into this episode. She's coming at us all the way from freaking Bali. Literally, she like chose like an 8 p.m. our time and I was like huh something looks a little different on like the time zone it was 8 a.m. it yeah. was 8 a.m. her time she's like yeah. I'm, I'm in Bali and I was like Indonesian I'm so time. sorry you're where yeah I was like okay you win cool okay well you went for the coolest place to quarantine yeah okay, coolest awesome. guest ever honestly <laughs> honestly she's like living her life in Bali I, I love like, her okay so before we get into today's episode we're going to do a couple housekeeping things really quickly make sure you guys are following us on instagram at the gals guy pod and also on our personal social medias mine is at emily elise everywhere and mine is at hannah nicole adams mostly everywhere mostly not all <laughs> and then if you're listening on itunes make sure you guys hit that follow button and leave us a five-star review and give us a little comment we love seeing you guys and we love hearing from you so it means a lot to us and also, if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. And then we also have a secret Facebook group on Facebook, facebook.com slash the gals guide pod. But we might be moving the community. There are more yeah. to hear about that soon in upcoming episodes. Yep. But this is an idea that we've had for a while and we would love your feedback on it. So if you have a Facebook, get in the Facebook group and we'll have a whole discussion thread on it. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Alrighty, gals. So zooming into the studio today, we have a author and feminine magnetism expert who is all about getting women to connect with their inner feminine goddess and embrace freedom. She has helped 15,000 women find deeper love and the connection of their dreams and is set to debut her new book confident sexy and wildly free how to own your worth ditch the self-doubt and not give a fuck about what other people think of you in later july everyone please welcome nora wendell hello and some men if you listen to me you never know right you never know we have we have like one i think he's left a review he is a huge fan so it's perfect we're here for it yep We are so excited to have you on our show because we have been following you on social media and just love your vibe, love your energy, everything about you. We just think it's so cool. We're like, this this is the woman we need on our show because we are always talking about like trying to celebrate your inner goddess and we feel like you literally like live that motto and to the fullest. So we are so happy to have you with us today and you're coming at us all the way from Bali, we are infinitely jealous. Your view is 10,000 times better than our <laughs> view. <laughs> We're literally sitting in an office and our apartment, and this girl's like coming at us, like, she's like, I'm, you're like so sorry for the bugs. I'm you're like, like I, I don't, you're in Bali. Like, it does not matter. You're in Bali. <laughs> I would take bugs in Bali over bugs in North Carolina. That's, yeah. 
Ooh, are you sure about that? There's some creepy crawlies here, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> you still get to be n- near Bali water, and that is what is infinitely better, and I'm jealous of. I was telling Hannah, like, that's literally where we want to have, like, our dream honeymoon at one day. So, already living the dream, already living that goddess lifestyle 100%. <laughs> but you've kind of, like, traveled all around the world, like, your whole life, haven't you? Yeah, so I was born in Thailand. I'm originally from Switzerland, Switzerland and Germany, and I grew up in Nepal. I went to boarding school in India. I lived everywhere from like Hong Kong and Bangkok, and I went to university in London, and then I also went to university in Australia. I lived in Brazil, Cape Town, and then now it's Bali. Wow. Now it's now it's just now it's just Bali, you know. <laughs> Do you plan on staying in Bali for like the rest of your life or do you, is there anywhere else that you like really want to move to? Uh, I think, you know, I love Bali. I love the culture, the people. There's a really big community here and it's definitely home for now. And I'm always open to possibilities of where can I even expand even more of my being. So a lot of what I teach is like, where does it feel really good? And like following that, that pleasure. So I talk about like, how do you really truly follow your pleasure? And so I'm always open to see where it might lead me. And you know what? I can't say I'm going to go there, but I'm like, hmm. Hmm, that's an interesting inspirational idea. What might be available there and how can I follow that? And how can I create or co-create with my partner in, in this new place? That's wow. awesome. And I, I, we, I need to adopt that lifestyle immediately. <laughs> um, out of all the places you have lived, the only one that I can relate to is University of London because I did study abroad there. So <laughs> I can relate to that. I have lived there. But <laughs> other than that, I am infinitely jealous, mm-hmm. um, of, especially of anybody who has like a travel lifestyle and they're able to do that because it is like one of my main dreams whenever I'm finally established in like what I do is that I want to travel. So you've already, you've, you beat me to it and you're like living your best life. And I can, I, I mean, I didn't just tell anybody that travels so much, like they automatically have like a more happy life, I think, because you're able just to meet so many different people out there in the world, I'm sure. And just, yeah, I think one of the, the life. biggest, biggest things that I learned was when I was younger is just like accepting of other cultures and just knowing that my viewpoint wasn't necessarily the viewpoint. And so that's much more like welcoming is just to be like, Oh, I get it. Your culture is like this. My culture might be like this. How can we be together in this and uh, form community? You know, a lot for women, I think belonging and community is really, really important to feel a part of something greater than just themselves. And so if you're feeling like low, especially like this last year, year and a half, right? Low, has really come through so it's like how can you build that an inner belonging how can you build support system and network of sisters and also brothers around you to really feel like you know what I belong here so I I suffered from anxiety for over nine and a half years and, and and the core of that fear and that deep inner longing was like my purpose and my belonging, who did I belong to? So you can imagine because I lived such a multicultural life, I was like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not Indian or I'm not Nepali, where, where do I fit in? I never lived in Germany or Switzerland. And so really like purpose and where I fit in, I think it's a, a core issue a lot of us actually have uh, like deep in our hearts. And, and what are we gonna bring to this world that's, that, that feels like we are here for something greater than again, just us? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have an ex who he was born in Peru, 
His father is Brazilian. His mother's, I think, Argentinian. His stepfather's Colombian. And he's like lived all over South America. And then he moved to Miami at the age of five. And so we, I've had so many conversations with him where he was just talking about like trying to find like your identity in Latin America and also in Northern America and trying to adjust to that. And especially like when you live in Miami, going from a city like that to North Carolina randomly and it's just like where do you fit in and all of that and trying to find like yourself and a mix of all that and I think it's always so interesting when you can pull different you know I think when you can pull different places to relate to yourself and like just not be like I'm this on this one thing and that is the only thing that's going to define me um, because that's not how people work we're all puzzles and everything so I love that absolutely uh but I kind of want to go ahead and like get into like what got you in, like you're traveling all over the world, you're living the best life. What got you in to, you know, dating and being a relationship coach and now writing your book and everything? Like what led you on this path? So I, when I was 24 and I lived, it was in university in London. I had a panic attack on the, the tube, the London underground. And that was the beginning of like my soul searching and the fear and the chronic anxiety because I was, I didn't feel safe being myself. I wasn't okay to be alone. So I had codependent relationships and this lasted about nine and a half years. And it wasn't that I stopped traveling because my family is all over the world, but I was so nervous and I, and, and like, I wasn't me, I wasn't okay being me. And so I did everything from like psychotherapy to counseling, to dance therapy, to EFT, tapping therapy, NLP, all these different modalities to try and figure out why why am I so scared inside to be me? Why don't I feel safe? Um, and so I, I've done a lot in terms of like in the world, what I was like offering. So I, I you know, I used to be like a little bit of interior designer and then it was always art-based, okay? Mm. My, my university degrees were uh, in like um, experiential art, art installations. I did audio engineering as a degree also. So I got into sound art. Um, and so uh, when I moved to India after, so I moved to um, uh, from London, where I had my panic attack, I moved to Australia and did a two-year degree in audio engineering to, to, to do immersive sound experiences. And there I had a, a relationship and it you know, lasted two years. We moved to Brazil in the end. And again, it was like I didn't feel belonging. I didn't feel purpose there. And then I moved back to India. And when I moved back to India, and India is chaotic. If anyone of you have been to India or watched things about India, I always say beautiful chaos. But if you're not prepared internally and centered for it, it's like a barrage of information and noises and, and it's all going on at you. And so I actually started a jewelry company when I was in India making mala beads, the yoga mala beads. This was like eight years ago. This was before they became like worldwide popular. And so I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. But deep down I was really unhappy. And so then I moved to Cape Town. Um, and there became a, a graphic designer designing, uh, you know, social media graphics and then ultimately websites. And again, what I realized was I was lonely. It was all online mm. and I wanted people interaction. When I then left that partnership and it was codependent, I couldn't go out alone. I felt unsafe. Cape Town is also, um, you know, South Africa has a lot of um, turmoil and unrest also. And safety mm. is a big issue in South Africa. And that was just feeding into my fear. So when I finally did move to Bali. I was like, right, I'm not okay. What's really going on? And I did a lot of work in feminine embodiment. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't sexually. I felt a lot of sh shame. I couldn't express myself. Um, I, I also was, um, you know, I had um, 
deep childhood trauma because my parents separated and then I was flying in between parents across countries from four years old as the wow. unaccompanied minor. You know those kids? You don't really yeah. see that anymore, but yeah. you used to see more like the science saying you am unaccompanied minor. And so there was so much like sadness I had in me. And, and it was like I had to be the big girl. I couldn't cry. So I had a lot of deep, deep emotions that I had repressed in order to grow up ultimately and be okay. And then I still had anxiety when I moved to Bali. So this is like almost eight, nine years later when I had my panic attacks. So I moved to Bali in my like early 30s, 30, 31. Um, and I'm 35 now, just for reference. So that was like, I've been in Bali about five years now. And I just really dove into embodiment work. I, I dove into authentic relating. I dove, so that's like, how do you use, how do you access deeper feeling states and be okay sharing them? Because ultimately that's what creates connections. If you can share deeper feelings, truer feelings. And we're so afraid of that because we think we're afraid of rejection. And so I did a lot of relationship work because I just saw that like, I don't know how to have a relationship with men. I was like following men around the world. I was codependent. I had anxiety. I needed somebody. Otherwise I wasn't going to be okay. <laughs> um, and so after yeah. training for five years in the relating, ultimately it's like really communicating what was going on for me. I was, I was a, for three years, I was a feminine embodiment photographer. And so I was, women were coming to me from all over the world in Bali and we'd go to waterfalls and sunrise at the beach and they'd get like naked or semi-naked and I'd be shooting them. And I was really good at holding space for women to feel confident about themselves because I understood what it felt like not to be confident, to be shy and anxious and, and the inner critic going crazy and wild. And so that I then saw that I had something there because my feedback was always like, wow, I felt amazing. This is great. I feel free. And that's when I then decided to start doing relationship coaching because ultimately we all have fears. We all have unmet emotional, physical uh, needs from childhood that if you're not, not looking at it, rule your life in fear, right? That I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be loved for me. And so that was my transition. So you kind of heard like how I went through it. And it's based on my personal story of I wasn't okay being me. I couldn't share my feelings. I didn't know how to have a relationship. So that's what I then went and studied in depth for myself. And then if I've got it, I know other women have it too. I love yes. that. Oh my God. <laughs> because I, I, I can relate to a lot of that where you, I struggled a little bit like when I was in a certain relationship with codependency and I've been very open about it on this podcast. And prior to that relationship, I really shut myself off to feeling emotions. Like I still this day, like have an issue um, letting people see me cry. <laughs> and a lot of it was because I felt like, you know, if they saw me cry, I viewed it as a form of weakness because I had to be the strong person because, you know, I've always acted strong. And if somebody saw me cry, then they knew, okay, this is actually really bad. If Emily's crying, then it's not a good situation. Like something's actually wrong. And so I never allowed myself to do that because I don't know if it's because I had a really emotional mother, which there was nothing wrong with that. She was very in tune with her emotions. And I just cried all the time as a child and probably, you know, was embarrassed in front of my friends, you know, and who told me to stop crying. And there was something internally that was just like, okay, nope, we're just no longer going to cry about anything. And we're just going to shop our emotions. Meanwhile, you cry about everything and <laughs> you are, you have no problem showing your emotions. <laughs> You're so much healthier. <laughs> but like I had, I went through therapy and like trying to like access, you know, why I felt this way. And what 
wasn't allowing me to be emotionally available and have this deeper connection with men that I was dating because for a while, and I know you've talked about this and I've seen, cause I've seen it on your Instagram and everything dating emotionally unavailable people. I realized that I did that because I dated emotionally unavailable men because then that meant that I didn't have to be emotionally available because they weren't going to be available to me. And, you know, it was just a whole, this, this whole avoidant thing where I was like, you're not going to open up. I'm not going to open up. We're just never going to communicate and talk about our feelings. This is great. We're going to hate each other in about six months. Perfect. <laughs> and that's how all my relationships have been. And then when I finally allowed myself to be vulnerable uh, with my ex, this has been like the healthiest breakup we ever had. Like we're still um, in close contact and with each other and still able to communicate and be honest with each other and just be like, hey, like you hurt me straight up and able to like, you know, take responsibility and, you know, hold ourselves accountable for how we treat each other and we're able to still maintain like a healthy friendship outside of our relationship. So I think I've seen the, I've seen the light now is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, avoidance is really common for, for, for people, because not only women, but for people who needed to be avoidant when they were children because it wasn't safe you know it wasn't safe to get close because that's when they got hurt and i do a lot of study on neuroscience neuroscience of love neuroscience of attraction how it all functions it's so fascinating because we think we're in control but we're not right 88 percent of our lives are controlled by our subconscious and that's where we repress the emotions that's where all our trauma is that's where we're like it's not safe. So the reptilian brain, the kind of first part of our brain that forms is all based on survival. And survival means you're avoiding pain and anything that's painful. And so unless you become conscious and aware, which is what I teach, you're going to be functioning from subconscious programming. And it's like not safe, alarm bells, retreat. That's basically like the primal instinct that we have because we want to survive. The brain wants us to survive. Whereas the, you know, the neurofrontal orbital cor cortex, which is at the front of our brain, that's the more modern thinking, empathetic, compassionate, but it needs time in order to activate. Whereas the reptilian brain and the amygdala, small almond shaped, um, you know, gland in, in, in our brains, it's like immediate, instinctually, like you see something on the ground that looks like a snake and you're like, oh my God, it's a snake. And you look again and look up, right? That's the amygdala. It's protecting us. And it protects us all the time. Our brains are constantly scanning for threats to our survival. So it's like looking at your painful experiences from childhood and what did you internalize that it wasn't okay to do or be or express? Yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> I think it's so interesting because I know I like a lot of times and cause I took a couple neurology classes in college, <laughs> no expert here, but I took a couple classes and it was always interesting because they always like preach about like, you know, like the first early years of your childhood and everything that being like the most impactful. And I always like, was like, you know, I had a healthy childhood. I, I, my parents are still together. They love each other. I don't understand. And, you know, simple things. It's like, if you like, you just, if you're left to cry and like your mom doesn't come like and immediately like attend to you, your brain immediately is going to wire that. It's completely differently. And it, you don't realize how little things just affect you. And then for me, I was severely bullied growing up in my like mid, like teens, early teens, late childhood. And uh, I didn't realize how much that would affect me in my adult relationships. Like I'm almost 30 and I still worry. I'm like, am I pretty enough? Like, you know, just little things like that. How 
minuscule they seem like on your timeline of your life still play like such a huge role in like your adult years. And you're having to learn now, like 30 years later, okay, how do I unwire that? How do I change how I look? And you know, that little voice that stays in the back of your head, that's been there since you were 14 years old. How do you get that thing to shut the hell up (laughs) and move on with your life? And I think it's, I think what you do has done a really great job at that because you bring it more to the forefront. You're like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, let's get, let's get to the root of it. And you talk a lot about how to deal like with trauma and dealing with more of that like feminine energy and bringing that to the forefront. And I think that works really well. So I would love if you could talk about like what it means to like embody like this mature feminine woman. Yeah. I love talking about that for the simple fact that for years and years and years, I always felt like a little girl. And I was just like, when am I going to feel like a woman? Like, what is this? And I just felt really blocked around, around embodying uh, like feminine maturity. And so when I did a lot of feminine embodiment work, which was like dance practices, sensuality practices, bringing in some tantric, uh, almost like self love making practices where you're like touching yourself with so much kindness, care, I just realized I had so much shame and like, and that came from being that little girl, you know, on the flights alone and not being, not being okay, but repressing that having to be okay. And so when I talk about like a mature embodied feminine woman, so a mature embodied feminine woman is okay, like can access her deeper feelings and, and, and it is okay to share them. So there's emotional maturity, there's emotional intelligence, which means being able to access your deeper feelings. There's a playfulness, okay? So that that inner critic, that voice in our head, I call it the negative itty shitty bitty committee because it's always there and it's always bringing us down, okay? I love that. And it's always telling us what we should do or you're not okay. And so it's like, how do you confront it and not repress it but make friends with it, right? And so it doesn't rule your life, but being like, okay, I get that you actually just care about me because ultimately that's what it does. It just cares so deeply about you because it wants you to follow the idea that it has in its mind of what you should be like, which is your cultural conditioning, societal conditioning, parental conditioning. And so like making friends with that. And and coming back to playfulness, we take ourselves so seriously. We talk down to ourselves so much and, 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 and we have so many masculine goals that if we don't reach, we're not okay or we're not good enough. And so bringing playfulness in your life is a huge part of the feminine because ultimately life is laughable. I mean, we live in a crazy world and like growing up in India, it was like, if you weren't laughing at what was happening, you would go insane because it is so wild out there. So can you laugh at yourself? And one of the things I will say, it's like one of my friends told me that she's like, Nora, just say that you're winning at life. No matter what, you know, you are winning at life because it's true. You are. And so can you laugh at yourself and be like, oh my God, like I'm totally fudged up my launch or fudged this up at work. And like, I am winning at life no matter what. So bringing playfulness in and then also sensuality, really connecting our senses is how we interpret the world, is how we interpret reality. So in the in the modern world, very much we're just like, go, 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 block everything out, singular focus. But what happens is a deadening inside. What happens is that we don't feel as alive anymore. And so Tantra for me is a philosophy where how much aliveness can we feel in every single moment and you access that through your senses so even right now if you're listening to this in the car wherever you are in the kitchen just like feel can you feel the air on your skin right now 
Because when you allow yourself to tune into that, it is there. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is there a breeze? Is it completely still? And then in contrast, can you feel how your clothes are touching your skin? What does it feel like to feel your feet right now? What's the furthest sound you can hear? What's the closest sound? So it's bringing mindfulness to the present moment and tuning into our senses. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I feel this energy, this, this aliveness. It's an enriching of our life experience. So that is very much part of embodiment of being alive in the moment, which is very much the feminine also. And then beautifying ourselves, okay? And that doesn't mean you have to get plastic surgery or have to wear, you know, dresses like that. It's what makes you feel beautiful. And we, it's subjective, right? It's what makes me feel beautiful. If I want to have long hair or short hair or put lipstick on, I'm doing it for me, not for anybody else. So that's very much a part of femininity too. So those are, and creativity, okay? We are like, our wombs are portals. We create from it. So how can you just tune into what wants to come through to you? And intuition is part of it, but the West is very much blocking intuition because for society to drive forward, we have to do certain pathways, okay? Whereas intuition is more like, oh, let me go do this. And so I like to set tasks for the women I work with and just be like, for one hour a day, or maybe just start with 20 minutes a day, just tune into what do you feel like doing without the shoulds or I have to, right? And just practicing mm -hmm. that, so allowing the intuition to come through like that. So some of those are the aspects of, of femininity. Wow. Love that so much. I feel like I needed you in my life like years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like where have you been? <laughs> but no, I, I, especially the part that you hit about creativity was something I would never have thought about, but it's so right. I mean, like we're women, like we literally create human beings. Uh, like that's the whole essence like of like our bodies, like naturally. And I think it's so interesting as well because you talk about like the masculine man qualities because I feel like a lot of men specifically like the whole the masculinity part is that they're meant to you know go out there and like claim things and like claim land and like create in a way differently from women and you know whether that is like owning a business owning like this empire you know cultivating manifesting like their own life that women sometimes aren't really encouraged to do, especially in modern society. You know, if you, there was like this whole like girl boss culture that we both hate. That's the, the term girl boss, because it's like, well, no, we're just, you're just a boss. Like we don't, why do we put like girl boss in it and like dumb it down in a way. And I think for me, uh, it, the masculine energy is something that I have personally struggled with, which is why I wanted to go back with it because I am someone like I'm a filmmaker I'm a director, so I am, and I'm very comfortable in control. Love being leaders. Love feeling like I have control of everything. It's a great time for me. I thrive in chaos. I thrive in a crisis. I am. <laughs> she's like, you should see her at an airport, honestly. I'm great. <laughs> you should see me when my life is in turmoil. I'm fabulous. But <laughs> I feel like I do have a lot of like masculine qualities, and I struggle with trying to feel comfortable with somebody where I can fall into that more like submissive or that more like feminine natural state because if I'm in control then I can't get hurt and I feel protected in a way and so I would love to hear you like what qualities like what like when you talk about like the masculine man like loving certain qualities about feminine women what do those qualities like look like to like allow women to fall into that natural state I think 
So it's interesting that you you also put in the word submissive. It's not necessarily being submissive. So that's coming from your perspective and, and your view, your viewpoint. I think it's it's more of a receptivity, okay, and more okay. allowing. I think that's a better terminology yes. for it. Um, and what you said is like you you you're controlling because you're protecting yourself because control and perfectionism ultimately means that it wasn't safe before. So you had to be in control in order to create that safety for yourself. And so a masculine man just loves a woman who can receive him and receive men want to provide a healthy, conscious masculine man wants to naturally provide. Okay. He wants to be able to lead. Sometimes he wants to be able to be the grounded foundation because women are simply more emotional in that sense. We go through cycles, we've got our periods. Um, and so it's like, and, and I think back to the relate, my relationship I currently have with my partner and he's just grounded. I'm like all over the place and he's just like, <laughs> there for That's me, he listens to me, okay? He listens to me. He holds the space for me to dance in my wild feminine because we are wild in our feminine. And, then, and, and the man wants to protect. It is just natural qualities that they have. And so if you're pushing that away, he's going to feel like, well, she doesn't need me. She doesn't need me in her life. And, and I will say simple things like, you know, if a man offers to pull out your chair or open the door or, you know, give you his jacket, if he notices you're feeling, you know, cold, you know, I don't need that. Just allow it, you know, allow him to feel, men want to feel useful in your life. And so with this whole like, girl boss term which you don't like it's like no i'm gonna be in control i'm gonna push forward and everything i don't need anyone else it's not about needing anyone else it's about being able to receive the support from a masculine man and that polarity in relationships that's when it like you come together and it just it's effortless that's what happens it's effortless if you're if you're in your full embodied feminine and you 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 have a masculine conscious masculine man and the reason i always say conscious masculine man because we've got the overly masculine you know the gym lifters and they're like holding their phones and they can't really because they've got such big <laughs> things it's like uh, such big biceps and, and, and they're just like you know can't talk emotions they put walls up so that's not a healthy conscious masculine man that's overly masculine that's like he's in his full protection mode but it's also protection over his feelings mm -hmm. so there's a vulnerability that both the masculine and the feminine need in order to come to deeper layers of intimacy i think you and your boyfriend hit that balance very yeah. well would you say so yes yeah because he keeps you very grounded where you're allowed to like, especially like your emotions and everything like that mm -hmm. um could you give us like some signs to look for and to, like because you talk about like you know this energy being depleted sometimes and i've seen your like your post about it how can we be more self-aware that that energy is being depleted from us and be able to like revive it and bring it back? Because I think there's like certain things that we probably do in our everyday life that do, that deplete it probably. Yeah, I think the number one uh, that I see in women is, is the masculine attitude of go, go, go. So really having to hit goals all the time, <laughs> right? And so women are very much more about being, okay? and feeling and so like a simple thing you can do in the morning is just tune into your body and what's actually going on what's going on in your mind and practicing non-judgment so don't allow that you know inner mm. critic to come and be like ah, it's not okay to do this blah, blah. even if you just have time for two or three minutes and just check in with yourself so it's just a daily self check-in what am i like today who am i today because we think we're the same person but we're not okay 
And it's like, okay, what am I feeling? Or what am I desiring today? What do I want to create with my life today? What's the intention? But not setting intention means it has to go this way. But then a feeling, I like feel this today. Because we navigate our life according to feelings. Okay, we all want to feel really, really good. But we need the contrasting feelings to navigate to how we want to feel good. So maybe you're feeling, um, let's say, a little bit um, self-conscious and you're feeling a little bit uh, not enough. Okay, and then you're like, okay, I'm feeling this way, but I really like to feel confident. And so how do I take my inner you know, barometer towards the more confident feeling? And then you can think, okay, what are the actions I can do in my life that will make me feel more confident? Maybe that's wearing sexy lingerie. Maybe that's completing one task on your to-do list. Maybe that's reaching out for support from a friend. So using your feelings to navigate towards what I call the higher vibration feelings. I think that's a very key aspect there. And you also said, okay, what, what else do I, can, I, can I notice if I'm not more in my feminine energy? Well, do you feel stuck? Are you really frustrated on the inside? Is there something like turmoil and bubbling on the inside and you're just like I just don't understand that's a mm. clear indication also I really think fearing intimacy right if you really fear intimacy it means okay what's going on there why do I fear intimacy because ultimately every single one of us wants to be loved it is a foundational longing and desire we all want to be loved and our greatest fear is that we're not going to be loved for who we are mm. that is our this fear so if you're fearing intimacy or if you're anxiously attached it means you need constant validation that people are liking you it's time to just look at well what's really going on underneath that so those are some clear clear signs um, that you're, you're kind of not in your feminine energy i love that yes that really helps i like, make it more defined i guess and like giving more clear-cut examples so like people can be able to like attach to certain things and like see it and have that more visualization and i love what you said about like having those moments like in the morning for me like lately like one of my favorite things i've been doing is going for like like just like a 30 minute walk um in the morning what like take my dog out go for a 30 minute walk at least or 15 minute walk and just allowing myself to like ground myself like with the earth and everything and also just taking more mindful moments to myself to be able to like feel the air around me and connect with who I am and how I'm feeling that day so and whether that's like journaling too because I know that you've done that as well too with your gratitude mm-hmm. journal I think it's really beneficial as well um I want to do like, I don't know how to like transition to this, but I want to do a hard transition because <laughs> you also talk a lot about um, dealing with trauma as well. And it's something that we have talked about before. One thing we've talked about before is uh, like the mother wound, the father wound is something that people like, you know, commonly talk about when we're accessing trauma. But you mentioned like feminine wounds and I want to know like what, what do you mean like when you say that? Like what exactly is that? Yeah, I mean, it's feminine wounds. You know, if you're if you're in a really wounded feminine, you don't trust men ultimately. You know, so uh, I just want to like say a disclaimer that you know I teach you know women who want to be in relationships with men, and I don't, you know, it's simply because I like men and I'm in a in a healthy, conscious, masculine, feminine yeah. relationship. So I'm not. Um, yeah, that's. I just wanted to say that because I have women coming to me. I'm like, hey, you never talk about women. I'm like, it's simply because I love men and that's just who I am. Totally understand. And so, yeah. and so for the feminine women, you don't trust men. Something has happened where it's not okay for you to trust men. And so you're avoidant with them. 
you do anything that you can to protect yourself on it. You kind of become like toxic femininity, although I don't like using the word toxic, but the wounded, what I use instead is the wounded feminine, where you're just like, become a little bit bitchy. You're really competitive with other women. You're really jealous of other women. Like a pick me girl. You know? Yeah. That just shows how wounded you really are because ultimately there is no competition. There is no reason to be jealous because jealousy for me, when I think about it, it means I think that woman has something that I cannot have, which is why I'm jealous over it. So I'm like, well, what is it? What do I think that I can't have? And that shows me my limiting beliefs. That shows me where I don't believe in myself. So I think jealousy is a great self-learning tool of what's really going on that I think I'm not good enough around. And what's my inner critic, my negative initiative committee like talking to me about uh, about that and so it's like the big thing really is not trusting men right the wounded feminine because men want to love us men want to protect us but then there's also the wounded masculine which don't trust women who use women and all of that and so you really need to know for yourself what are your wounds okay and they come from childhood we form our identity in the first seven years of our life and so the very first thing I do with all the women that I work with is look at your childhood. And if you tell me what your childhood was like, I can tell you what the majority of your wounds are going to be. It's just so clear. It is so clear. And so ask yourself, you know, why do I not trust men? What am I truly fearing is going to happen? What, what are my beliefs around love? Men only use me. There's only, you know, fuck boys out there. Uh, men are not trustworthy. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And so when you become aware of it, that's the first stage of transformation. You cannot transform anything if you're not aware of it. And that's where journaling comes in really good. That's what hiring a coach comes in really good. So asking yourself the right questions to bring to light what's truly going on. And that's the first step. Then you can be like, am I ready and willing to look at this? Because what do I desire in my life? Is it a relationship? Is it that healthy man? Well, then I need to unravel everything that I think is true around that to be open and ready and available to be able to meet the man that I want. Yeah. Mm. I've heard, I think we had one of our guests before, but I've heard um, one of them say, if you believe like all men are trash and that all men are fuck boys, that's all you're ever going to find because that's all you're ever going to attract into your life and looking at it more in a different way because it's almost like you're manifesting like that into your life like you're almost like you're manifesting only like the terrible men into your life instead of looking at it as more of like an abundance mindset instead of limiting yourself to only um having those kind of guys in your life and just learning to set more boundaries and standards for yourself as well too to who you attract and allow into your life I want to just mention like the, in the psychology of attraction is you're attracted, your brain wants to recreate your childhood because that's all it knows. So the brain works on past experience. Okay. It doesn't work on future created experience. That's where we need our conscious awareness to create. That's what manifesting is. It's feeling based in the future, but the brain by itself is just recreating experiences from the past. And it's like, is it safe? Is it not? then, then, you know, you self-sabotage according to that. And so when you're attracted to a certain type of person, so a lot of women I work with are like, I keep getting into this drama based relationship and they're pretty toxic and I don't understand why, cause it's not what I want, but the brain, that's what it knows probably from childhood is trying to recreate that because it wants to solve it. It wants to integrate those hurts and those pains. And you are also attracted to both the positive and negative qualities of both of your parents. In mm. your partner. 
right? And so there's a great exercise you can do to just bring, again, bring that to the light. And be like, oh, that's really interesting. What do I want to do with this information now? Because like I said, the reptilian brain works on instinct. It's primal. It works immediately. And so what it needs is some time to then activate your, you know, Stan Tatkin Paul's is in his book, Wired for Love. The ambassador is the, the front part of the brain needs time to kind of take a step back and be like, is this really what I want? But the reptilian brain works on instinct, which is like, go now this. And that works for the psychology of who you're attracted to as well. It's fascinating. Not to go home and psychoanalyze my parents. How can I get into some more psychology (laughs) classes? (laughs) Literally, you see why I tried to minor in this while I was an undergrad. (laughs) But that, oh my God, I just want to go home and like psychoanalyze like my parents and be like, okay, what do I hate about you? What do I like about you? And how how are any of my ex-boyfriends similar to any of that? (laughs) Like a Venn diagram. (laughs) Just start like making a graph and scale. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so interesting. But fascinating. I think a lot of women like have dealt like with past trauma. And I feel like I've heard you talk about it as well. How does that impact like in your relationships like going forth? And how like I'm I believe that we hold trauma like within ourselves, like after we've experienced it. And then like literally, I'm not even kidding. Like I went to a chiropractor the other day for the first time, and there was just mul- like parts of my body that she was like, You are so tense in these areas and I'm like that's probably and it's where I feel like I held like a lot of stress or a lot of trauma and releasing it in a way like I've gotten like I've cried after massages because it was almost like an emotional release and I would love to hear how you think like how we can overcome past trauma that's now affecting our relationships and how we can move forward through that so I'd just like to start off with that everything in life is energy Okay, so whether you need a scientific background or whether you believe in like the more woo-woo universal energy, the fact is everything is energy, okay? And emotions and feelings are energy too. So when you have a traumatic experience and all trauma is a form of loss, okay? All trauma is a form of loss. So there can be major trauma or there can be minor trauma and it all affects us. It all affects us because you feel a sense of loss And if you don't go through the grieving cycle where you kind of like accept the loss, look at the feelings of sadness and grief underneath that, and then be able to move on for that, okay? Most of us don't go through the grief cycle. And so that's when it gets stored in the body. That's when you start to, you know, disease is really for me, aspects of different aspects of trauma. Stress is trauma to the body. And that's why modern society has so many diseases. It's a dis-ease in your body. And there's many different ways of doing trauma release. And yeah, I think number one is looking at what happened to you. And again, and again, and again, and I will say it again. It's all about safety. We are here in this life because we want to feel safe. And so when you have trauma, you don't feel safe. And you you know, you you, you freeze, okay? You, You flee or... It's like a fawn syndrome. It's like you completely don't know what's going on and you need to completely negate it. A great book to read is The Body Keeps the Score and it really talks about the trauma response system. And to, sometimes it doesn't feel safe to even access trauma and that's where you need the support. Number one for trauma is just talking about it, talking about what happened to you because when we actually share and formulate sentences and words in a supportive environment because you don't, want someone who's going to reject you or put you down because that's just going to perpetuate that trauma because that's usually what happened in a safe and supportive environment 
you tell your story and storytelling is very healing. And this is why I, I usually <laughs> do group work. All right. I usually do group work because you realize that you're not alone in your story. You realize that, you know, the deep seated fears is you're not alone in them. And that's that belonging. That's that community. It circles back to that. And, and so that's always what I say. It's like, let's talk about it, but feel safe enough to talk about it. So it can go through different layers, different stages of trauma and, and safety to feel like you're can talk about it with someone and then then you can do body work also you know going to chiropractor going to massages i love a form of trauma release and it's called trauma release exercise and it's actually where your legs start to shake and you have to think about it they they always say that when you look at a tiger attacking a deer and the deer kind of gets pulled to the ground a little bit mauled but then the tiger goes away and the deer gets up again and it's like Oh, okay. And then it starts to shake, right? You watch Discovery Channel, you can see that. That's the deer completing its trauma response cycle, its stress cycle, right? It gets it out. So the trauma release exercises, uh, and just Google this, but literally you're lying on, on your back, you have your knee, uh, feet on the floor, knees up, and there's a certain point where your knees will start to shake and it will go crazy and it's just releasing any of the stored energy in your body and sometimes it can last up to 15 minutes and it's just accessing deeper layers of trauma in you and that's body work that you can also do but for me storytelling is number one really understanding that you're not alone in what you've been going through love to hear that because i did that so i'm on the right path i so i was in a really um manipulative and probably borderline abusive uh, relationship where he, I was gaslit. I was manipulated. I was a lot of lied, silent treatment, all that kind of stuff. And I wrote a whole film about it and directed it and uh, was in it as well too. And so it was in my way, like he of course found out about the film and was like trying to shut it down and everything. But in my way, it was like, no, like, I'm going to reclaim my power by doing this and share my story for other people who have also gone through this so they can feel like they can relate because that was the only thing was that I felt alone. I had no one else that was going through a similar situation that I was going through. And I was like, I don't want other women to feel that way. So if by me telling my story helps like one person, I've done my job. I feel great about it then. And there were some people who were like, oh my God, like I've, I've dated this guy. Like I've been with this guy. And it, it just was able to open up this whole new world in this community. And I've, I, that's why I, that is honestly why I'm a, a filmmaker is because I want to create that community. So I am happy to know that I am doing it all correctly. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason we love music so much and the reason we do love films is, is because we feel resonance with it. We feel resonance with the storytelling aspect of both music and, and, and film. Yeah, and you're yeah. you're a yeah, songwriter. I'm a songwriter, so I take a lot of my past things and put it into music and just connecting with people in the world in that way is just like I love music. It's it makes me cry and laugh and smile and dance and it's a I universal just can't language. imagine I just can't imagine a life without like people being able to tell their story through that. So And it's also like an emotional release in a way. And it's a universal language that everybody can, even if you can't understand the language that it's being told in, like you can relate to the music and like your body can relate to it and feel the um, energy and the vibrations that it's releasing into Mm -hmm. you and have an effect over you, I think. Yes. Yes. Two creatives right there. I love creatives. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, every time you talk about creativity, I'm like, yes, I love this. I'm here for this 100%. (laughs) But I I have thoroughly enjoyed 
talking to you. Like this has been probably one of my favorite episodes I think yes. we've done just because I love your energy and I love everything you've had to say. Um, before we like wrap this up and let you go, we always wrap up our episodes by giving a survival tip for our listeners that kind of embodies the whole episode. So whether that be about harnessing your feminine energy, getting over trauma, we would love to know what your survival tip would be. I think it's really tuning into your feelings and understanding that we are human feelings and we can use our feelings to navigate us to who we want to be. And that's what I said about the contrasting feelings. If you know what you don't want to feel or you know what you don't like, you also know what you do want to feel and what you do like. And so it's asking yourself the question, I'm feeling this and I'd rather be feeling this or I you know, don't have this and I want this. What can I do? What can I do to feel the way that I want to feel? And that's a multitude of possibilities. There's not one answer to that. So using your emotional emotions as an emotional guidance system to feel. And that feeling is then being. That's how, what it equates. I to. love that. Yeah. I love, I love that. that. Before we let you go, so like everything we've talked about, uh, is this all, are these things that people can find in your upcoming book that you have coming out July 31st for those who are <laughs> listening? I think by the time this episode goes up, your book will be out by then. So it will be on Amazon. It will be on Amazon. So confident, sexy, and wildly free. I wrote this book uh, in in basically the the beginning of last year, 2020, and I wrote it in five days because I just knew I had had to write it. It Just all came out. I'm impressed. It is a a journey into yourself, and because confident, sexy, wildly free. Those are some of the things that I know I wanted to feel and I didn't know how to feel those. And so it is a kind of personal development memoir of what I did or the questions I asked myself. So there's journaling questions, there's meditations to download, there's, you know, EFT tapping videos to release energy. There's a whole kind of like digital media library that comes with the book. And so if you're like, "Mm, I want to feel, I want to feel the, because ultimately we all want to, feel free to be ourselves without the inner critic, without the shoulds and the can'ts. And so this book really encapsulates how do you get there? What are the tool sets that you can simple, simply, okay, I'm, I'm not about complication. I'll, I'm all about effortlessness. Implement into your life in order to feel confident, sexy, and wildly free. And yes, there's a whole chapter on like pleasure practices and femininity and all of that. So ladies, if you want to feel confident, sexy, and wildly free, it's in my book. We're all pre-ordering that. We're all yes. ordering that right now. Everybody get on Amazon, buy it. We will also leave a link in the show notes for you guys to go and access it. But before we let you go, please tell everybody where they can find you. Give your chef, give yourself a huge shout out where you can find you on Instagram and all your websites. Yeah, so Instagram is my jam. I love it. It's at Nora Wendell, N-O-R-A-W-E-N-D-E-L. That's my username. And I mean, my website is the same, norawendell.com. But honestly, just slide into my DMs. This is like my favorite thing is to have conversations. I personally answer. I send video messages, voice notes. Like it's all me. And this is my thing is I want to connect. I want to understand who are you and what are you going through and how can I support you? Even if it's with just one voice message saying, hey, you're doing amazing. I love what you put out there. That's where you can find me. Well, love it. Nora, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you on our show. Thank you so much. We are going to immediately divide this, your entire book on Amazon. <laughs> and we cannot wait to see what all you come up with. And we're 
make sure you guys follow her on Instagram. We'll leave all her links on in the show notes for you guys to go and check her out. But thank you so much, Nora, for coming on our show. Thank you, ladies. And I just want to end with everyone who's listening. You are so much more amazing than you think you are. That is the perfect way to end this episode, I think, for sure. (laughs) And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.